You're listening to the Flip Houses Like a Girl podcast, where we educate, empower, and celebrate everyday women who are facing their fears, juggling family and business, embracing their awesomeness, and wholeheartedly chasing their dream of flipping houses. Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house-flipping coach, Debbie DeBeery. Hey there. Thanks for hanging out today. So in today's episode, we're flipping the script. One of my awesome coaching program members turned awesome team members, Sis Donnelly, had the idea to say, hey, Debbie, let's interview you for a change. We want to know more about you, which I'm glad she said that. I'm happy to know that people are curious and want to know more about me. And here's the thing. I'm not going to sit on this podcast and just talk about myself. That's not in my nature. It's not really what the podcast is about. I really want this to be uplifting stories about other women doing the thing. And I'm happy to talk about my stories. I love sharing my stories. I love connecting with people. So I absolutely love to share my wins, share my failures, share all of the things. And so when Sis asked me if I'd be up for this, I was like, absolutely. Thank you, Sis, for taking this on for asking me, for caring about my stories and wanting to hear more about them. So that's what this episode is. You'll hear more about my stories, my wins, my failures, the time I almost didn't flip again, the really hard times, all of it. I'm telling you how the Flip Sisters coaching program came to be and more. So let's go ahead and jump in. So we're just going to jump into our conversation where Sis will introduce herself and then we'll get into it. So my name is Sis Donnelly and I've been a member of Debbie's tribe for, I think, a little over three years now, maybe just right at three years. Yeah. Um, and now I also work for Debbie as one of the member success advisors on the tribe's private Facebook group. So I get on and help answer questions and offer support. And um, I'm also running my own house flipping business here in little bitty old flat Nebraska. <laughs> and we are all super interested in Debbie and wanted to hear more about her. So um, I asked her if we could do a podcast and just ask her some questions for a change, kind of turn the tables. So Debbie, why don't you start and just kind of Tell us a little bit more about you. So we we kind of know your mom was a huge influence on you, a huge positive influence on you. Um, what tell us about her? Oh man, my mom. So for starters, I was her fifth child and her last child and her only girl. Oh and wow. Yeah. So she kept telling me she was trying for a girl, trying for a girl. And then here comes mm-hmm. this little tomboy, bless her heart. Um, <laughs> she put me in dresses until my first birthday when my brothers 
all chipped in and they're much older than I am. They bought me my first pair of jeans and she was livid. She was heartbroken (laughs) because I never really got out of my jeans. Good brothers though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she was, she was my biggest fan. She was everybody's biggest fan. She was your biggest supporter. She was in everybody's corner. Um, she was the two things that she instilled in me from a very early age. Like I can hear her saying these things over and over. One is you can do absolutely anything you set your mind to anything, anything you want to be, anything you want to do, you can. And then the second thing was, which became our motto uh, here is leave people in places better than you find them. So those were the two messages that I constantly heard from her. Okay. I never realized that that specific phrase came from your mom. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep. I mean, like this whole, this whole program came from my mom. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, she was one of those where she knew that I've always been a boundary pusher. Um, I've always been, um, one to I'm I'm a rebel, but I like to follow the rules, <laughs> and I like to push boundaries, but I also like to follow the rules. <laughs> so it's a, I'm kind of a weird rebel. Um, yeah. because it's not like I, I don't want to end up in prison, right? But I yeah, do want right. to kind of push my boundaries. Yeah. So I like in sports or in whatever that I was going out to do, she would just be there to push me and. And then on the flip side, when I would screw up royally, she would be this safe space that I could come back to. And she'd be like, you know, they're there. And she'd let me kind of heal for a little bit, but then she'd push me right back out. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, great. I understand it didn't work the first time the way you wanted it to. And like, let's be upset about that for a minute, but then go, go do it again or go do something again. Like don't sit and wallow, um, get back into action. So yeah, that has just, I mean, that's always been, that's always been there. And I also bring that into the community. Um, and then what else about my mom? She was just like, she was the person who brought all of us together. So when she died, my family dynamics changed 180 degrees. I mean, it went from, we would gather several times a year at their house And it's now we don't ever gather. So it's been over seven years. Like we just don't like she was the reason we all came together. Um, So the family dynamics totally changed after she died. Um, What else about my mom? She's just like, she's just awesome. She was awesome. She loved so hard and so like without she just didn't hold back. She didn't hold back. She just loved, she loved real hard. So. Yep. Yep. I I think we see a lot of that in you. I do. I hope so. That's a huge compliment. Uh, that's absolutely how I try. That's how I try to, to show up for sure. And I absolutely show up with my son, the way she showed up with me. I mean, I, she was an excellent model for, for how I want to parent. And yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite things that I see about you in our coaching community 
when you talk about loving hard, but sometimes giving that tough love is, is that you have this amazing way of balancing that. Like you're able to give the tough love and say, nope, you got to get back out there. Um, you need to take some action, but at the same time, still building us up. Mm. So wow. that's a balance that isn't always easy to find. And that, that's one of my favorite things about you. That's awesome. That is such a huge compliment. That's yeah. I mean, that is absolutely what she modeled. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that that stuck. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, here's the thing. And it's like, and you know, I've had as an adult, I've had coaches who've been the same way. Even, even as an athlete, I had coaches who were the same way. I've had business coaches who are that way. And so I understand what it feels like. It feels like sometimes it feels like, um, no, just tell me, like, just tell me everything's going to be like, tell me everything's going to be all right. And then tell me what to do and tell me exactly how to feel and how to be instead of letting, you know, us figure it out. And that's where the power is, is she would, she let me figure it out, but she was like, like, go figure it out, go. Yeah. And that's where you get the confidence in yourself is knowing that you're able to do that. Yeah. I totally agree. Completely agree. I I've, grew up with a mama that was very, very similar. We've talked about that before. Uh And I think that's such a huge thing is to, to have somebody pushing you and telling you, you can do this, go figure it out and not giving you the answers. One of my favorite phrases that I've heard you say is bring the data, not the drama. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being able to set those really emotional big things aside and look at that data and figure it out sometimes just learning to do that is, is one of the biggest things. I totally agree. Yeah. I think that it's, it's hard because, you know, we're not managing our emotions. We're constantly managing our reactions to our, our emotions, our responses to our emotions. Our emotions are going to be there. We can't stop that. Yep. We have to manage our how we react and respond to those emotions when they come up. Like, do we completely freak out and freeze and just decide, well, I'm not going to make any decision? <laughs> well, that's a decision, right? If you're not making, you're choosing to not decide. <laughs> you're choosing to not uh, fix the problem. For sure. Yeah. So you mentioned having some coaches and, and in athletics and business and things like that. Do you have any other big mentors that you really think about a lot or that you feel like you got a lot of influence from? Absolutely. So most of them were my athletic coaches. So Mm -hmm. one was in high school. Mm -hmm. She was my softball coach for four years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she was, and she's just, she was just so good at setting boundaries and Mm -hmm. good at setting expectations and following through on the consequences. Mm-hmm. Right. And I talk mm-hmm. about that too, like with contractors, right. Mm-hmm. Set boundaries yeah. and, fo- and follow through on the consequences, because if you don't right. do the second part, then the boundary setting was worthless. Like it was a waste right. of time. Um, right. she was also, that's where I got my handwritten notes, my love of handwritten notes from, oh, she yeah. would, oh my gosh, I still have them What 30 years later. Oh God, yeah. gross. I'm going to be sick. Um, but yeah, 30, <laughs> 30 years later, I have these old soggy notes that she would write us um, before uh, tournaments. She would always write each one of us like, and they were so 
they were so specific to that person. It wasn't like, it was just, you know, she just, she just showed up in a really cool way. Um, and she was also one of those who was like, you can do better. Like, Mm -hmm. Not that you're not doing enough, but I see potential in you and you're, you're not tapping into that. It was just like my mom, like similar messaging, like you can do better and go try. Um, I'll be here. Like, right. You screw up. You need to talk. I'm here, but go do, um, same for in college. I had again, one was, they were both in the athletics department. Neither of them were actually my coaches, one was the athletics director and one was, uh, each of them had been a professor of mine. So they, let's see my sophomore year in college. So I went and I played softball in college, Mm -hmm. small college, liberal arts college, um, you know, like 900 students small. Mm -hmm. I had to be in a small setting that because I was such a rebel and like a boundary pusher, I needed to be in a small setting or else (laughs) I, I had needed, a big college. Who you needed to build relationships. I did. And I needed to be seen. <laughs> I needed to be seen mm-hmm. because if not, then who knows? <laughs> I don't want to think of where I'd be right now. Um, yeah. But they, my sophomore year, they pulled me into a meeting and they were like, dude, you can do better. Like my, my, so my high school was really hard. I went to, um, I went to a college prep school and it was very, very hard. It was harder than any school I did afterward. And I did college and grad school. Okay. So it was a really hard school. So I was done. Like I was burned out. So by the time and I got you had, to- and you had bounced around quite a bit, right? Like yeah. as a child, you, you guys moved a lot. So mm-hmm. elementary, junior high, you probably maybe struggled a little bit academically. I'm guessing so with moving around, you know, I didn't, I like, I was always a good student. Um, so I'm, I'm a people pleaser. So I was the class clown, but I also wanted to please my teacher and please my parents. Right. So I made good grades, but then all of a sudden, like high school was a complete, like it was a completely different experience than anything. Like it was the hardest thing. It was way harder than college or grad school. It was just so hard. Um, and so when I got to college, I was kind of like, whoa. Like I'm done. I did college. <laughs> Wasn't that college? <laughs> and so um, I just wanted to play sports and I was doing enough to get by, right? Like I was an average student and they yeah. pulled me in and they were like, no, man, you have got to start showing up. Like you're half-assing this mm-hmm. and you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you can do way more than what you are. You've got to start showing up. And like, right then it's all I needed. Like I needed to be called out on it. Mm -hmm. And like from there, I went to like, you know, 4.0, like never again, did I have a bad grade? Like, (laughs) yeah, I just needed to be called out. And I didn't know you went to grad school. Yep. What did you major in? Biomechanics, of course. Really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I know. So (laughs) basically it's physics applied to the human body. Okay. And I was fascinated by it, like fascinated by it. I was, I was a little bit too early though in the field. So the field was pretty new. Um, and so I did this internship in college and, and I fell in love with it. The way I was going about it, the way I was studying it and the interests I had were Mm -hmm. in sports performance enhancement. 
Okay. So, okay. So we would work with athletes and we'd like attach all these electrodes to their joints and we would see how their body moved. And we'd be like, Oh, Hey, if you just like moved your arm a little bit this way, you would get whatever, seven more miles per hour on your fastball, like stuff like that. It was fascinating. Super interesting. Oh my gosh. And I was so cool getting into that too, with, with having the sports background. Definitely. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. There weren't jobs. Like it was, it wasn't a big enough field where they're like, after grad school, it was like, well, you either go become a professor or, or not like, yeah. So is that what made, is that when you got into flipping then when you got out of college? Right out of grad school, I owned a couple of, so I, I I bought one TCBY frozen yogurt shop. (laughs) Really? I didn't know that either. Yep. So I bought cream. Um, I I was like, Oh, that's easy. Like how hard can it be? I'm just giving frozen yogurt to people. Like that's super easy. That's a no brainer. Like that's so easy. Well, mind you, I had never had a business class in my life. Like I did not know what I was getting into and I jumped in and I was like, Oh my God, it was a crash course in business is what it was. Um, I had to learn a lot. Like it was, there was way more <laughs> that yeah. went into it than just serving frozen yogurt to people. So were you managing it as well? Oh my gosh. It was 80 hour weeks easily. I was, wow. I hired like, like all my employees were like 15, 16 years old. Right. So I'm <laughs> paying them to be there and yet mm-hmm. I'm babysitting them. So I was right. like, something's not right here. Like, I think yeah. I got the short end of the stick. Um, <laughs> It, it was in an incredible amount of work. Uh, it was constant work and it was ba- like barely getting by. Like you're not going to become a bazillionaire owning a TCBY, TCBY. Frozen, <laughs> yeah, frozen yogurt shop. You're not. I mean, you get a lot of ice cream for free. Yeah. But. I ate a lot of it for free. <laughs> um, yeah. And Nilla wafers. So that's yeah. what I did. Um, so I did that. I, and then I opened a second location. So the one I bought was existing. So that was easy because, you know, the customers were already there. Anyway, I opened a second one and it was, you know, an hour away and I was just on, it was, it was too much. So I yeah. sold those uh, after three years, like to the day of owning them, I sold those and just got rid of them. And then, so that's when my mom's like, Oh, you should totally get into real estate. Like you'd be so good at real estate. You love people. And I was like, okay. I mean, I definitely wanted to still be in business for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I really think she just wanted like growing up, she took me to open houses all the time, right? We were always looking at houses. Yeah. And I think she just wanted an MLS key. She just wanted to be able to <laughs> to not have to wait for the open house. She just wanted to be able to go go look at houses when they were on when they came on. <laughs> she uh, could just call you Debbie. You need to let me into this exactly, house. <laughs> exactly. And so that's how I got into real estate. <laughs> that's very cool. Uh-huh. Very cool. Yeah. So you've been in real estate since two thousand three. Four. Two thousand three. Yep. Yeah. That's. That's quite a while. It's crazy yeah. that it's almost 20 years. So that's a lot of houses flipped. If you had to estimate, how many do you think you flipped? So I didn't start flipping until 2008. After I got my license, I was like, this is fun and all. <laughs> it wasn't. The traditional brokerage part was just exhausting. There was, yeah. there's no time freedom. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you are literally at everyone else's beck and call, like drop everything at the, at, you know, at, at a phone call, drop everything to go show a house because if not somebody else will. Yeah. You, you hear people advertising, come be, come be a real estate agent with this agency or this brokerage or whatever. And you'll get, you'll get all this time, freedom, flexible schedule. And I thought, Mm, but I text my agent on a Saturday afternoon and she's got me in there by Saturday night. So right. what if she had planned? You know, I know yeah. there's not quite as much freedom as they say. Yeah, no, there's sure. not. There's not. Um, and I, so then 2006, like 2005, maybe 2006, mm-hmm. um, I went to, so I had already gotten my broker's license. I got it as quickly as I could as quickly as I qualified for it, uh, because that means I didn't have to then hang my license under anybody else. I could go out on right. my own. I could have yep. all that commission, like not have to share my commission. Yep. Um, and so I actually joined a, a brokerage that just worked with investors. And basically it was people buying uh, rentals and duplexes mainly. Mm -hmm. So we sold a ton of duplexes and we helped a ton of investors get great properties. And that really was when I started getting the bug. And so I started buying rentals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started seeing people around me flipping houses. And I saw how much they were making. Right. And I'm like, That's way more than a commission check. (laughs) Like, and, and there's a lot more time freedom in that. Yeah. Right. And it was, yeah. So it was years of me trying to figure out, okay, really, how do you do this? Like, how does this work? And seeing people doing it. And the thing for me was then like in the, in the recent five years or so, there's been way more of a push toward like design and, you know, really Mm -hmm. beautiful spaces. Then it, I mean, it was, that's not what you did. Like it was, Mm -hmm. you know, lipstick. It was like, go Mm -hmm. in, do the bare minimum. And I was just like, God, this is junk. Like buyers are buying junk. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like there was a huge opportunity to do it in a different way, even though I was told you can't do it that way. Like the way yeah. I wanted to do it was actually like caring. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's care about the product. Right. right? Yeah. Let's and, care the, about- and the end result and the buyer. Right. Yeah. Let's care yeah. about the people who are involved. Like let's not make it so transactional because that's what it felt like. It felt super transactional, like in and out, done, never think about it again. And I was like, that's not the, that's not, that just didn't feel, it didn't feel like in in alignment with me. And so Mm -hmm. because I wanted to do everything pretty much opposite of what I was seeing and what I was being told was possible, it took me a while to trust myself. And I talk about that a lot, right? Like that self-trust and listening to, listening to your gut and trusting that it's, it's important. Like what Mm -hmm. your gut is saying is important. What your, what that inner voice is saying is important and worthy and, and worth listening to Mm -hmm. and following. So my, so yeah, so I finally did my first flip, but you know, Mm -hmm. it was while, cause I'm looking around, I'm like, this is crud. I can do better. Surely I can do better than this. And surely I can Mm -hmm. create a better product for people. 
Yeah. So if you had to think back on all of your flips, do you have any that really stand out as a huge win for you? And I not necessarily money-wise or profit-wise, but maybe that's it too. Uh, maybe it's design or maybe it's just the project in general. But if you have any that really stand out for you is this is a huge win. I'm the most proud of this one. Okay. So there are two. Can I have two? Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So even better. The first one, I think the first one is always like, I think it's the most important one because the first mm-hmm. one is, is the hardest because mm-hmm. we build up in our mind that it's this, we build it up to be such a difficult important nearly impossible thing to do. So Mm -hmm. to prove ourselves wrong is huge, right? Because that opened the floodgate because it's like, oh, oh, I did that thing. I I survived (laughs) and I made a profit. Like, you know, it's 2008. I made $60,000 on my first flip. I remember you saying that before. That, yeah. That's a lot of money that's in amazing. 2008. Right? That's a lot that's of money right when the housing bubble was, was, oh, it was terrible. It was crafting. terrible. Yeah. 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 So that first one, and not only it wasn't just the profit, like for me, the biggest aha, the biggest win for that first one was seeing myself in a different way because I was always this. I was an athlete. Mm -hmm. I was business minded. I was Mm -hmm. numbers, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't artistic. Yeah. I wasn't creative. And that shocks me because I've seen your design. It's bold and it's beautiful. So when I think of artists, I think of people who can draw or paint and I cannot Mm -hmm. draw and paint. No, I mean, I can't even draw a stick figure. Like my (laughs) stick figures are awful. My son makes fun of my stick figures. So, so that people's reaction, even to my first one, that wasn't that, like, it wasn't anything. I I look back and I'm kind of like, God, it was so, it was terrible. Do you still have pictures of it? Oh yeah. It was basic. I mean, it was so super basic (laughs) and, but people were like, oh my gosh, you're so creative. And I was like, oh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. No, no, this I'm is Debbie me playing De- it safe, yeah. guys. <laughs> I'm Debbie DeBerry. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, but like, oh, I'm creative. And so I kind of like, it came in and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, let's, let's mm-hmm. file that away. We're not going to think about it too much, but we're just going to put it back here. And then after yeah. my second one, where I did start putting in more design, because again, people weren't doing that then. People mm-hmm. weren't putting in designs at all. This is 2009 yeah. when I did my second mm-hmm. one. People weren't doing it. If I design. remember, everything then was beige. Oh, it's all beige. Everything. Oh my gosh. Beige walls, beige carpet, beige everything. Beige countertops, beige everything. Left. Oh, beige and yellow. And it was awful. Like yeah. looking back, it was <laughs> just so, so bad. <laughs> but then I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I am creative. But then also it's like, well, I've always been creative. I'm a very, I'm very creative. I'm a really great problem solver. I love solving mm-hmm. problems, but I didn't creative think thinker. of that as creative, right? Like I, yeah. it's more like visually creative. I didn't know mm-hmm. I had that. So yeah. to then see that, oh, wow, I have that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I just ran with it. I'm like, let's see what happens. Let's just keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one. Yep. And then my second one was the, 
the first one I did after my worst flip ever. Okay. So tell us about the good one. Okay. And then tell us about the worst flip ever. So the one after the worst flip ever, the reason Mm -hmm. why it was so good was because the confidence had been knocked out of me. Like Mm -hmm. I got to the point of, I don't know that I'm going to flip again. Yeah. Because of what happened in that one, I I didn't have any control over what happened. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh God, what, first of all, what if that happens again? Mm -hmm. And how did I not see that? What Mm -hmm. did I miss? What did I do wrong that caused all of this pain that I, that I ended up in emotional, financial, Mm -hmm. how did I miss all that? And so Mm -hmm. my confidence was totally shot. I mean, I was scared to do my next one. I I was, I, it took me, I was so cautious and I was overthinking it. And I relate to all of that. Like I'm not freaking, I'm not a robot. I I relate to all of that. It is Mm -hmm. terrifying. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I over, I was overthinking it. I questioned everything that I was thinking. Um, I, I, but it was, it was harder to do that one than it was my first one because I, because I had just come out of a really bad situation. So I knew how bad it could get, right? Like, like, Oh God, I, I felt that it hurt. Yeah. Uh, So doing that one, it was, it was huge because like like I said, I, I was very close to never flipping a house again. It it reminds me of the old saying, uh, you know, if you get bucked off, climb back up on the horse, you know, it's so true. You have to, or get back on your bike and ride again. If you You, fall down, you have to. Yeah. You really do. The worst thing you can do is quit. Right. You know, especially out of fear. Exactly. Because all of those, what ifs, yeah, something Mm -hmm. bad might happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The likelihood isn't as great though, as it not happening, like the likelihood it's more likely for good things to happen. Um, you absolutely have to face the thing you have to. And I knew I did, like, I knew I had to face the thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a prisoner to it because I felt like that. Like I was like, I either let this thing defeat me. It was holding you back. Yeah. I either let this thing defeat me or I try it again and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, it, in hearing that, what do you think is the most memorable lesson that you've learned from flipping throughout the years? So that worst flip <laughs> yeah, taught me a lot. Um, yeah. And is that the, let me back up just a little bit. Is that the one that ended up with some title issues and it wasn't it in litigation for a couple of years? Yes. Even? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And I know were... we've heard quite a bit about that, but you yep. can tell us more about it if you want to. So I'll, I'll do it briefly for people who haven't heard it. So there, yeah. On the other side of things, there was fraud. There was like, a, a basically what happened was somebody tried somebody on the, on the seller's side tried to prevent the sale okay so what she did was she she's a licensed real estate broker by the way in texas she Still? yep oh 
Oh, that was part of, that was part of the mediation. Oh. That was part of the agreement. Oh. I didn't, I, I didn't get to turn her in. That's so tough. yeah, <laughs> she didn't, she, <laughs> oh, she made money. She walked away after doing uh, all this awful stuff. That was hard to yeah. watch. Um, so she forged her mother's signature. Her mother was incapacitated, forged her uh-huh. mother's signature, gave herself 20% interest in the property. I didn't know about any of this because she did this between the time that the title company ran their title search and the day of closing. Okay. So mm-hmm. the title company did not repull title. That is why it is on our checklist to repull title within 24 <laughs> hours of closing. Again. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, and so that didn't even come up until I went to sell and my title company was like, oh yeah. Hey, who is this lady? Who, who'd you partner with? And I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? So yeah, that was a, it ended up being uh, two years of litigation. Um, I ran up an insane amount of credit card debt, which is why you never hear me say, use your credit cards. Yep. Um, I had to file bankruptcy. I mean, it was, it was oh. awful. It was, it yeah. was a horrendous experience and I could not yep. make it go away. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. I was mm-hmm. the victim of all of this stuff of her family drama. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was hard. It was hard to come out of that, but you so, came back from that. You yeah. came back from that and you continued to flip. Yeah. You continued to flip. Yeah. I didn't and, want it to defeat me. I didn't yeah. want her because it felt like she would have won yet again. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So what led you to starting to try? What brought us here? What brought us all here together? Because I have never seen a group of women who can all get together in one space and not be catty and not be bitchy and not be snotty or snarky. Um, but just everyone is so supportive and amazing. And I, how did you do that? I mean, what, what, what gave you the idea to do that? So I know, I mean, honestly, our, our community is, Amazing. It is. And I say that and I tell people how special it is yeah. and you don't get it until you come in and you're like, no, no it's, they're yeah. not full of BS, right? Like no. yeah. they're, they're serious. Mm-hmm. So what created it? So I, I've always been, I always wanted to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to like coach an athletics team. I wanted to coach people though. And I didn't mm-hmm. know what that looked like. I didn't know what I meant by it. Um, Mm -hmm. on my athletic teams, I was always like a captain, right. A leader. Mm -hmm. I was always mentoring people and like instilling confidence in people and trying to build people up. Like that's just, it's always been what I did because that's what my mom did. I totally relate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was always me. And so I always Mm -hmm. wanted to be a coach in some regard. I just didn't know what that meant or how that would look. And also Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Honestly, if, if, you know, um, sometimes when you're in a new group, like one of the icebreakers might be like, what's your worst day ever? What's your worst memory ever? Yep. I always had a hard time answering that. Like I just, I didn't have, because relatively speaking, they're like, wow, I got dumped. Okay. Like, you know, I didn't have a painful life. It was a very... I just didn't have hard things until my mom died. 
And that was, that is forever. The answer, the day my mom died is forever. The answer. Yeah. But then after that, like, so leading up to that, it's like, I want to be this coach. I want, I want to, um, I didn't like life coach. It didn't feel, it didn't feel in alignment, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, it's not like I felt like an imposter. I can very much connect with people deeply. Like I love to do that. I've always loved mm-hmm. to do that. I've always craved that deep connection. Yep. But it was the fact that I didn't have, I hadn't gone through hard stuff, like really hard, painful things. I couldn't relate. So I felt like if I had tried to be some sort of coach without actually going through some hard stuff, I felt like that's a bit of a lie in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, can you really relate? I don't, I I didn't feel like I could. So then my mom died. Then I got a divorce. Then I, right. Then I got a, then I filed bankruptcy. Then I got cancer. So like the universe was like, here you go. Here's all your hard stuff. You you wanted some some hard hard stuff? stuff? <laughs> Here you go. Here you and, go with it. Yeah. With a side of with a side of sour apples, I guess. <laughs> right. So Lemon, all, all of that. Right. All of that crap happened. And so then I'm like, hmm. So after my mom died, I really did like I for a year, I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm flipping houses, but I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not in, I'm not doing anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm doing good in what mm-hmm. I'm doing on this scale, but how do I make it like bigger? Like, how do I make my mom's legacy? Not just like go up and smoke. Like, how do I keep, how do I pay forward all that love and support she gave me? Basically it comes down to how do I pay all of that forward? I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a coach. I had all this bad stuff happen after that too. Cause that bad deal happened after my mom died. <laughs> it was just oh, like, yeah. I mean, pile it on. Pile some more on. I know. It was yeah. awful. Such a hard, like two years of my life. It was a really hard two years of my life where I just thought I can't, I can't like, I can't make my way out. Um, and so there had to have been a turning point for you there because, uh, you know, two years is a long time to have a lot of stuff, a lot of crap happening to you like that. So many people would just get stuck in that and allow themselves to stay there. So what was your turning point? And you said, no, I'm moving forward with this. Honestly, my son, I couldn't, my son was four, was about to turn four when my mom died and Mm -hmm. he saved me. That kid, I honestly don't, between him and flipping houses, those two things, that's what I dove into. Like, it was Mm -hmm. like, forget everything else. I'm going to focus on my kid. I'm going to focus on flipping houses and I'm going to get through my grief. Like I'm going to do all of this. Um, but I was like, do I want to be the person like, who do I want to be for my kid? Do I want mm-hmm. him to see that this thing totally destroyed me and I can't fight my way out of it, even though I'm mm-hmm. going to be telling him to fight his way mm-hmm. out of things. So like, it wasn't an option. Um, it wasn't an option to not fight. I just didn't mm-hmm. know. I had, a, I was struggling with what is that going to look like? What is the, what is the end thing looking like? And so yeah, I was having, I was having lunch with a friend and you know, I've taught people how to flip houses along the way. Like I've taught clients, I've taught friends. I never had Mm -hmm. a, I never had a formal structured program. Right. And so, so when I was talking to one of my friends, 
I was like, man, I really want to do coaching. I don't know what though in life coaching just doesn't, it doesn't really ring my bell. Um, you know, and she's like, uh, so why aren't you teaching people how to flip houses? And I was like, yeah, that's the most genius thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Why my brain didn't think that I have no idea, but I was like, yeah, well, that's so dumb. Yeah. Why aren't I? (laughs) Like, it's what I love. It's what people Mm -hmm. ask me about. Like, why am I doing this? So, yeah. yeah, So that's where it was. Mighty fine burgers with one of my best friends and heel. (laughs) I love it. So did you think that it would look the way it does now? Is this how you envisioned it? What did you envision? It, it is, it's what I all, it's what I hoped for, mm-hmm. but I really didn't think was possible. So I, and I know I've said this before. I really did not know if anybody was going to show up to this party. I, w- I was going to throw a party in a different yeah. way. It was going mm-hmm. to be focused on women. It was going mm-hmm. to be not just about flipping houses. It was going to be about transforming yourself because you're not going to be the same person who flips the house. Right. You're not. Oh, no. Who you show <laughs> up as on day one is not the same person who flips the house. Oh, I am testifying <laughs> right now. I am testifying. Truth. So true. Yeah. yeah. And so I, agree. I wanted, nobody's talking about that. Nobody was talking mm-hmm. about, look, yes, the steps are important. The steps are all out there. It's not the steps you need or else you'd be doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to transform yourself first. So, so that was the, that's what the conversation was around. Like women, empowering women, um, and like showing up and standing up in your voice and being heard and trusting yourself and knowing not that you're be, worthy. Not being afraid to take up space. Take up yeah. as much freaking space as you can. Yes. Yeah. And so absolutely. I was like, well, I'll see, I'll see if anybody comes, I'm going to, you know, throw this party. I'm going to open the front door and I'm going to cross my fingers. And the way it's turned out is everything I hoped for and, and nothing I imagined would actually happen. Yeah. But it's all of, it's not just me. I started it, but everyone who comes in this ecosystem, like keeps, it's like, it's like everyone shows up with their little candle lit and they, right. And like, so everyone who's already here, we've got all our candles touching. We've got this huge flame. And then the next Mm -hmm. person who comes in, it's like, they put their candle there and the flame gets bigger and better. Bigger. Yeah. And I, re- I remember thinking when I first joined Debbie, I, I was actually a little worried about you. <laughs> like, I, I, I think when I joined, there was maybe like 200 members. I don't remember, 150, 200 members. And I thought, oh, my, how does she sustain this? Like, how is this sustainable long term? I, I get it. Like, we're all supposed to help answer questions. We're all supposed to help. Um, give encouragement and support and and all of that stuff. So, so that takes some of it off your plate. But I remember being worried, like, oh my god, what if this gets too overwhelming and she quits? Like, I I I can't have that. No, 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 no. We we need this place. I I was so worried. So, as as we have grown, you've uh, added a couple of member success advisors to help 
because I'm sure you were up in the middle of the night answering Facebook questions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. responding to emails and texts yeah. and, and whatever else. Like, yeah. <clears throat> um, so you've added a couple of people. So it's grown. Your vision has grown. Where do you see it down the road? What, what are your future plans for our space? And, and what do you think it's going to grow into next? I'm allowing space for it to evolve in the way that it does. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to, I, I kind of am like nudging a little bit, but I'm also mm-hmm. like letting it kind of do its thing as long as it's within the bounds, right? As long yeah. as, as soon as it gets out of the bounds, it's like, oh no, <clears throat> this is not, nope, we're not, that's not what we're doing. So yeah. this space is so unique that mm-hmm. it's, it does need to exist. It absolutely has yeah. to exist. Yeah. It will continue to exist. So if we continue to, as we continue to grow, right, we'll just keep adding on people for support. And, you know, yes, I added you guys as support so that I didn't have to answer every single thing, mm-hmm. but I still acknowledge everything. So, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But I also did it because I don't want just my voice heard. I want, mm-hmm. like, I want everybody else's voices heard too, yeah. because your experiences are incredibly valuable and sharing your experiences and sharing <laughs> your point of view and you helping, like, you're an amazing coach. Like, you asking people questions. You're awesome. You're so good. I'm so grateful. <laughs> so seeing the way you interact with people, I'm like, People need that. Like people need these things in their lives because I guarantee it. Most people don't get it outside of our group. Yeah. 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 And it's I think we all, I think we all need each other, you know, very much. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're still flipping though. So we've got this amazing tribe. You, you developed this whole program that is like in and of itself a wealth of information. I don't even know. I'm not, I'm a little afraid to ask you how many hours it took you to develop all your materials. (laughs) Like that's huge right there. And I know that you still do some updating with that here and there and add, add lots of content. Um, Plus you've got our tribe, um, but you're also still flipping. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not just flipping locally there in Austin. You're also flipping out of state, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So tell us about how that's working for you now. Is it different now than it was when you first started flipping? It is because, so ever since I had that like sit down where mm-hmm. Dr. Yandel and Coach Duke told me, stop half-assing things, yeah. um, I, I don't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I'm in, I'm all in. That said, it's also really important for all of us to practice balance Mm -hmm. and to know what that looks like for us. So for me, one of my constant struggles is not comparing myself and Mm -hmm. feeling good about my decision and not listening to the noise. Because what the noise says is you need to be flipping 5,000 houses a year or else you're worthless. Yeah. And it's like, but I, 
I, I don't want to flip 5,000 houses a year. I want balance. And w- the most important thing for me right now within that balance is my kid. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. only get him 50% of the time. And man, that mm-hmm. 50% of the time, I am all in. Like I mm-hmm. want to be super present. It's only seven more years till he's 18. And that's going to fly yeah. by. It's going to be yeah, gone. It does. And I'm going to be heartbroken sitting in the corner. Yep. So sad. So <laughs> I don't want all of my time spent on business. Mm -hmm. So I've got the kiddo Mm -hmm. flipping houses locally, as well Mm -hmm. as in other areas, partnering with some Mm -hmm. family. Yep. Um, And then I've got the tribe and I feel like that's a really good triangle. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. a really good triangle to have Um, real estate and the boy and this amazing coaching program, like those are my things. Those are my focuses. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are great focuses. Yeah. So out of everything we've talked about today, what do you think flipping and having our coaching tribe has allowed you to gain? And what do you think you've needed to give up? Mm-hmm. If anything, mm-hmm. if any, I've had, oh. I've had to let go of, and I am still practicing letting go of certain things. So I've had to let go of the story of I'm not creative, right? So that's gone. And I'm daily (laughs) working on the story of people pleasing. Yeah. Setting boundaries, communication, like clearly communicating with contractors and with people Mm -hmm. in general, clearly communicating setting very clear expectations, setting the consequences, and then following through on those consequences. So Mm -hmm. that's where the setting boundaries and the not people-pleasing, those have been my two like Achilles heels my whole life Mm -hmm. because because we did move a lot. Every year I was at a different school. And so Mm -hmm. let me please people so I can fit in because I don't make fit friends in. Back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm brand new. These kids have mm-hmm. known each other the whole lives, like all of that. Yeah. So people pleasing was, I mean, and, and being a chameleon, right. Like fitting mm-hmm. in, um, yes. all of that just came super easily to me and mm-hmm. it's, it's gross. I don't want to be, I don't, mm-hmm. it, it's not that I don't want to make people happy. I do. But when you're people pleasing, in, in place of taking care of yourself or standing up for yourself, right. standing in right. your truth and standing in your voice and power, that's mm-hmm. not attractive. Yeah. So those are the things that I'm constantly confronted with and it's good, yeah. right? Like those are just my yeah. learning things. Like those are my things, this, this lifetime that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working through and I'm trying to get right. Yeah. 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 It's pretty amazing. It really is. Yeah. You've got an awesome story. I and it. I, Debbie, your mom's legacy mm. lives on every day. Every day in that tribe. Yeah. That makes me teary. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Me too, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. I mean, good. We've got such an amazing space. And And I think the reason that um, 
when I mentioned in our group that I wanted to do a podcast with you and ask people for questions, I think the reason it was so popular is because um, you have created this beautiful, amazing space for all of us to learn and love each other mm-hmm. and not judge. And we've got this safe, safe, it is so safe space to come to. Um, and we want to be that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we all go out and then we do that in our houses as we flip. We want to create these space, these, these safe spaces that are beautiful, that are loving, that are good places in our community. That's so, awesome. That's huge. Oh my God. That's it. Like that's, that's what I wanted to create. That's it. Yeah. 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 And everybody taking away, like to be able to take away from the space, like the way we are in our bubble, <laughs> is it mm-hmm. a bubble? Yeah. To be that outside of the bubble, mm-hmm. like, because it's like, then it's the ripples, right? Because us mm-hmm. being this way outside of the bubble, we are then impacting those people. And then those people are impacting. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And just like you said, flipping a house changes you and you become a different person. I, this program changes us as well. And I know. I I absolutely, for a fact, I am a different person, not just for flipping a house, but also for coming out of this program, not, not coming out of it, being in it. You're never coming out. You're stuck. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) To you, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it it makes us go out and, and uh, be a different person and address our challenges in other areas of our lives too. And I know it's made a difference in my relationship. Awesome. I love thank you for that. Oh my God. (laughs) Thank you for showing up because like we can create this space and we can create these opportunities for learning Mm -hmm. and changing. But if the person doesn't show up and do it. Yep. Yep. Action. Yeah. You got it. I agree. Yeah. Oh, this was so much fun. I love it. I really enjoyed it. Sis, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for hanging out with me and asking me questions and listening to my stories and letting me share my stories. It's so nice to be able to do that. So here's the thing. If anyone listening, if you're on the fence, if you are sick of not doing this thing, if you want to flip houses, you want to flip them to rent, you want to flip them to sell, whatever, and you still aren't and you're still struggling, and you're sick of struggling, and you want to be in this amazing community and program that we've all created together, we'd love to have you. So go to firstflipdoneright.com. Again, that's firstflipdoneright.com. And put yourself on the wait list. And we typically let you know within a few days of an opening. All right, take control. You've got one life. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Go out there, flip houses like a girl, leave people in places better than you find them and make it a great day. Bye y'all.